Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, we're going to find out once and for all, do I really hate Hillary and Devon? I'm pretty sure I don't, but some people think I do. So let's get to the bottom of that little mystery tonight. Plus, we'll be talking about Liz and Franco's wedding and the craziness going on with uh, Gabby, Gabigail, as we're calling her on Days of Our Lives, and what the heck is going on with Dollar Bill over on Days of Days of Our Lives, on Bold and the Beautiful. All that and more tonight on Tune In Tomorrow. you I love my theme song that comes to me courtesy of Charlie Mason who happens to be the uh, managing editor to my executive editor and uh, he's also a really good songwriter uh, you'd also you'd think that I would occasionally come into the show prepared you know as you could tell from my opening remarks I was not prepared and that's because 45 seconds ago I was in the kitchen putting dinner in the oven and then suddenly I realized, wow, I have a show in 45 seconds. So in typical me fashion, I ran out here, got to the phone, dialed in as quickly as possible, and actually thought that I might miss my own show. Wouldn't be the first time, as long-time listeners know. Anyway, I'm Richard. I'm the executive editor at Soaps in Depth magazine. I'm also the tweet master general, meaning that about 90 95% of what goes out on the Twitter feed at both Soaps in Depth ABC and Soaps in Depth CBS, that's me you're interacting with. I own everything I say. I say everything I own. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight because, as you know, it's February sweeps. I can't say that February sweeps has been a particularly exciting, you know, thrill a minute this this particular year. Um, But I do think that, weirdly, we're getting to some good stuff now. Like, even as sweeps is just coming to an end, some of the best plots are kicking in. We just last week got our first glimpse of what everybody's calling Gabigail, which is um, uh, apparently the ultimate personality of Marcy Miller's Abigail. And they're setting up a nice story here. Uh, you know, you see complaints from people, oh, look, Ron's doing another multiple personality story. What's interesting to me is that when you see, you know, when when somebody cheats on somebody or somebody, you know, um, when, when a show does another murder mystery or whatever, you don't see anybody complaining, oh, they're doing that again. It's, it's you know, it's one of the 50 or so stories that we cycle through on daytime periodically. Um, I love seeing Marcy Miller getting to have this much fun. And as you guys know, I kind of like dark, twisted stuff. So the fact that they're playing, um, you know, the alternate personality hitting on Stefan, who is just confused as heck, I like that. I think I know there are people who will say, you know, he's taking if if anything happens between them, he would be advantage of um, a person with you know mental issues. And yes, that's true. But it's also true that it's a soap opera. 
and sometimes we have to sort of, you know, not take things quite so seriously. Uh, this week on General Hospital, we're building toward the wedding. Tomorrow is uh, the beginning of the Liz Franco wedding, but there's something much bigger going on at the same time that we're building toward. You'll remember on our last issue, um, not the issue that's out right now that has that beautiful picture of Liz and Franco on the cover, but the previous issue um, that we mentioned as part of February Suites, there was a, quote, act of God happening. Well, that's coming up soon, and that's going to tie into the wedding and into several other really big stories, including one of, you know, it's going to be leading to something that uh, some people have been wanting for a long time, others have been dreading, and it should kick off some really interesting storyline this spring, starting in March, really. Uh, So that's happening over on General Hospital. Uh, where we also have one of my favorite storylines right now, which is this messy, messy situation with Julia and Alexis, who are clearly still into each other, but she is sleeping with Finn, although they took a pinky swear it wouldn't happen again, but who thinks that's going to hold? And he's actually interested in Anna, and Anna has also now got Andre back in the picture. And on Julian's side, you know, he's getting involved with Kim, even though he's clearly still invested in Alexis. And there are so many points there and so much possibility, and it's a big old mess, and I love it. That's that's one of those things that I love is when you don't necessarily um, have – Uh, You know, sometimes soaps sort of say this is the couple that you should root for and that is the only way it can go. Well, here, they're not doing that. They're playing all the potential and all the possibility and making a big, messy situation and and just sort of throwing them all out there and say, let God sort it out. Uh, Or in this case, I guess God would be uh, the co-head writers, Shelley Altman and Chris Van Etten, who I kind of think are doing a great job. Uh, And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to them tomorrow morning. I really do. Uh, and finally, we have, oh, Bold and Beautiful, Bold and Beautiful, which after a very long period of being sort of the Steffi and Liam show is finally sort of starting to introduce some more stuff into it. I will admit I was surprised by today's episode. Uh, at the end on Friday, we saw Sally pick up that beautiful golden antique gun and shoot supposedly Bill. I was convinced that when we came back today, we were going to find out it was a fantasy sequence because let's face it, that's something Bold and Beautiful does fairly often. They leave us with these really shocking, oh my God moments, and then you come back and find out, oh, well, it was just fantasy. But no, she shot Sky, his precious, precious building, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, And we're about to build toward Bill doing some even more questionable things and pissing a lot of people off. I'm starting to wonder if uh, Bill might be heading for some trouble. And finally, the main event, Hillary wants a baby. Uh, and Hillary wants Devon, but Devon doesn't want Hillary, and Devon certainly doesn't seem to want to give Hillary a baby. And this is um, – I'm a little bit torn on this story. I'm sort of annoyed that they revealed Juliet uh, – the, the, the tape revealing that Juliet was um, sort of pushed into claiming sexual harassment uh, – That seems like something that they should have held. There was no reason for it to come out when it did. There was no real payoff for it to come out. Whereas 
if they had moved forward with the Hillary and Devon story and reunited them and let them have this, you know, big romantic reunion and get them further along, maybe even let her be carrying his kid, whether they're together or not, and then you revealed this, it has a much bigger payout because then he is emotionally invested in her. At this point, all it did was sort of continue the, the storyline of, 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 of Hillary being treated as the town pariah. And, you know, we've seen a lot of that. And, yeah, Hillary's done some things that, that have been bad and that she's, you know, deserved a little, I don't want to say slapping around, but we'll say slapping around. But, you know, it's not been anything much worse than a lot of the people in this town. And so there just seemed to be no real payoff or investment there as far as I was concerned with the timing on that. I really wish that they had held it a little bit longer so that um, it, 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 th- th- there would have been more of an investment there. And uh, we've got some people lining up on the phones already. Uh, the number here is 714-868-0749 if you want to give a call, 714-868-0749. But we're going to start off by bringing on one of my favorite people in the world, and I think you know who it is. And um, I just have to say I need a little backup here. Dan, I need you to answer the question, do I hate Hillary and Devon? I'd like to order a number seven extra cheese, please. Uh, do you want pepperoni with that? No, I don't like pepperoni. It's terrible. Oh, well, um, Dan, introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to ask for my credit card information so I could, you know, read it off over the air because that would go oh, well. I already, Hello, I, already have your, I already have your credit card information. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me one bit. Hello, Richard Sims. Happy New Year. Have we talked in 2018? I don't remember, but Happy New Year anyway. <laughs> I can't remember if we have or not. For those of you who don't know, this is Dan J. Kroll. He is the uh, guru over at uh, Soap Central and uh, one of my very favorite people on the planet and certainly one of my favorite people to exchange jabs with on Twitter, mostly for y'all's entertainment. We like to entertain you guys. What can I say? Um, but I'm hoping that tonight Dan will also be here in, in at least partial defense of me because there are people out there who – frankly, don't understand the difference between wanting better for a couple and hating a couple. They think that if you want a different story for a couple or you're not happy with the way a couple is written, that you hate them. Dan, convince people that I'm not a hater. I mean, I don't know that I can do any better of a job than you've done. You've said it repeatedly. It's interesting. I mean, I caught some flack, too, at least with the Devon and Hillary stuff, where uh, I had said that I'd like for them to get back together, but not without the whole, you know, the dance, the tr- the, the the trouble, the the passion, the, the the just all the grief that goes through before a couple gets back together, where they realize that hey, you know, this is this is where we belong. Because I think it goes back to the other thing where I, I saw you take some. Uh, some jabs at people uh, on another soap for something where they wanted a couple to get together and then that couple was promptly written off screen. I I think that there's something to be said for uh, couples that maybe we want to be together, but they're, they're not together when we want them to be, you know, sometimes it's not up to us to decide when things happen and everything that I've heard you say, I get, I mean, I I can, I guess I can speak from a point where we, we speak at length off of Twitter so we have more than 160 or whatever they bumped it up to, uh, 280 characters, I guess, to, to talk to each other. So I really know what goes through your mind because we can go back and forth, and certainly we talk on the phone. So I know 
what you've said. But I mean, I can get where people in they see the the small tweet and they don't fully get all the other stuff, or maybe they didn't see your previous tweets and don't understand sort of the lead up to get to what you're saying about a certain point. But from everything that I've seen, uh, I've never seen anything that says you didn't want Devon and Hillary together. I've seen you question some of uh, some of the antics where you've said that you know they the writers there for a while had made Hillary a bitch just because for no good reason she was sort of mean with no payoff and it didn't make any sort of sense so i mean i see those things but i can't imagine that that in any way shape or form says that you don't like a character because uh where i'm from the people who are also on the same uh, playing field where they want to see devon and hillary together for example they're sort of the same the same things that they don't like the way hillary's being written so you're saying the same things maybe from different angles and uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm of the spot where I don't really like any particular – I'm not watching these shows for any one particular couple. If there's a couple that I like that's together, great. If not, great. Uh, I'm not going to stop watching because of a couple. I, I would, would stop watching if you know stories got bad, like the All My Children dance-a-thon. Uh, I may have tuned out during that period. Well, exactly. And it's sort of, you know, it's sort of like what I was saying with General Hospital earlier. Right now, I love the fact that, you know, um, I I really like Anna and Finn. I didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere. They caught me off guard. I love them. I, I think they're fantastic together. But then all of a sudden, there's Finn and Alexis. And I'm like, wow, I really like them. And while I am not um, really big on the idea of Alexis and Julian getting together, unless it's a long kind of drawn out complicated process because you know some bad stuff happened there i'm really liking julian and kim too and for me and i think you and i sort of look at shows the same way we i I say this all the time i don't ship couples i ship stories so if what i'm seeing on air is fun and sexy and romantic and you know then then i'm into it and i'm trying to think if there's ever been a couple that like i was really upset when they broke up to the, you know, to, to the kind of upset that we see a lot on Twitter. And, and I can't really, I can't remember really necessarily a case like that. There have certainly been couples where I was sad to see them end, but you know, not, not like, like, because generally speaking, either when, when couples end, either they're moving into, they're transitioning into a new couple or one or both of them is leaving the show. And right. You know that's that that happens. That's why I always say that the danger of single couple shipping is that eventually your couple is gonna you know something's gonna happen to them. You know no matter no matter who that couple is. You know even you know someone like like I'm trying to think who's a, who's a couple that's been around for a million years. Nikki and Victor. You know sooner or later they either break up or one of them is gonna leave the show whether temporarily or long term. And you know at some point even the longest lasting couples eventually hit a wall. Who do you take flack for? I know you. I know there have been times when you've been on the the wrong end of the Twitter gun, so to speak. It's usually for things that are completely baseless. Uh, you know, something that I'll I'll say that people completely turn. I, I'll give an example of, of something that I consider to be crazy. I had one at one point mentioned that I was really enjoying the storyline involving Dina on The Young and the Restless. For folks who aren't watching The Young and the Restless, uh, we learned that the character uh, has Alzheimer's disease. Uh, And I had mentioned that I was really enjoying 
the storyline and the performances in it. And I had a couple of people who took me to task and said, oh, my God, how can you enjoy Alzheimer's? It's a horrible disease. You're a horrible person for saying that you enjoy that storyline. That's the kind of stuff that I get. Um, I, I guess particularly because when I go to, to Twitter, I'm doing more sort of observational stuff than a sense of uh, saying, oh, I like a couple or, or things like that. Because, I mean, well, I guess to the aspect of social media – that's sort of what people gravitate towards. I mean, any of the number of couples that you've been talking about, whether it's Devon and Hillary or whether it's uh, you know, Sam and Jason on General Hospital or uh, any number of combinations with Nick on The Young, The Restless, there are <laughs> groups that gave them you know, nicknames. They gave them the, the hashtags and the smush names, and they're very, very passionate about that particular couple, and you know, they, they gravitate towards other people who feel similarly about those particular couples. I've always been of, like of the impression – well, you said that. Remember, everybody. He said the cult. Remember, so if you Dan J. Cole the- called you cult. <laughs> Dan J. Cole said that, that you is are correct. Members. That yeah, sure. That's exactly. Uh, no, but to the point of that is, um, you know, I'm sort of under the impression that people don't really care what it is that I like. I, I mean, you know, you could say, for example, I happen to really like uh, Katie and Wyatt on The Bold and the Beautiful, and you had mentioned, you know, thinking about couples, when were you upset? I was kind of upset when they broke up. I'm like, oh, that's sad. Maybe they really aren't going to go this way. Then they got back together, and I enjoyed it. Uh, there were a lot of people on Twitter today, without me saying that I, uh, I enjoyed that, who were saying that it was disgusting, because now Wyatt was going to be the stepfather to his half-brother, and that was disgusting. And it surprised me because, I mean, yes, sure, that's true. But, you know, if you look at some of the other stuff, there's been people who've been married to people on the soaps and they were older or, or younger than that person's real kids. So, I mean, that it's been going on forever. surprises me, especially with The Bold and the Beautiful. Because, I mean, have you seen this show? Are you new to this show? Because <laughs> it is the most incestuous you would think that Los Angeles, you know, it's funny, most soaps traditionally take place in very small towns, you know, like Oakdale yes. and, you know, Springfield or whatever. Bold and the Beautiful is in Los Angeles. And yet, Los Angeles is a town with no gay people. Uh, nope. It's a town of no gay people working in the fashion industry, which is kind nope. of funny. But, but more importantly, there are only like 12 people in town and they must endlessly date. Like from the beginning, this has been a show where, you know, the, all, the, all the relationships were sort of borderline incestuous. And it, it, so at this point, you know, yes, it's hysterical when at the end of today's episode, Bill's head exploded and he was like, you will not date Katie. It's, it's wrong. It's really, Bill? Because <laughs> you just two weeks ago slept with your daughter-in-law. So I don't know that you really should be riding that particular horse, Mr. Stallion. It, it, you know what, though? So when, so, it's... It's interesting to me. I, you know, I've noticed this. I've, uh, you know, been monitoring social media before as it was coming along, and even before then, all of the emails that were submitted on Soap Central. And I have to say, now this is painting with a very broad stroke, but I mean, we're having these discussions society-wide uh, about certain things that people are now finally speaking up about. I will say that from the email that I received. 
which is by no means a scientific sampling. It could be completely skewed. I don't know what the plus or minus are on the percentages and all of that other stuff that you may see in polls. However, that being said, I will tell you that a lot of people have issues, whether they say it uh, explicitly or not, when there's an older woman and a younger man. Uh, again, send the hate mail at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter. I'm not saying everyone. I'm saying that from historically, from almost 25 years worth of email that I have, and I do keep and file it and store it, when I go back and look at storylines, for example, Erica Kane and Ryan Lavery on All My Children, which again was oh a situation God, where, where she was now, but people sort of got around it by saying, oh, it's gross. She's now dating what used to be you know, her daughter's man. So you've got that there. Here with Katie on The Bold and the Beautiful, you have a situation where someone's saying this, ew, that's gross. She's dating her former husband's son. Uh, I don't get a lot of that um, from folks when there's a significantly older man. Uh, to draw the same soap comparison, a lot of people really, really enjoyed uh, on the storyline on, on All My Children when Adam Chandler was dating or involved with Liza Colby, who was younger than he was. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed, you know, uh, that, that's, that I'm going to keep it on the same soap. So I, I got a lot more flack uh, from people who uh, – and outrage from people who were upset about an older woman, like Erica, with, with Ryan than Adam Chandler with any of his younger wives. Uh, I haven't seen so many people really upset with the with Bill and Steffi on the Bold and the Beautiful in the same sense that he was older. There were a lot of people who were complaining that you know they were upset with Steffi because she cheated on her husband. So to me, you know, it seems to be whether it's just the people who are speaking up or whether it's uh, another sort of looking under a microscope at the way we as a society view certain things, there seem to be a lot of people who are critical of the women in these situations. And I mean, even something like a Mrs. Robinson, uh, that was a, a very sort of, I mean, I know we're, we're going way back, but that was a sort of thing of, oh my gosh, it's an, it's a much older woman and a younger man. Uh, not really that much of a, a big deal when it's an, an older man. And I don't know if, if that will ever change. I don't know if I'm just seeing things that aren't there, but I mean, I've got the email in front of me and, and sort of the data. That's been my interpretation. Well, I wonder if part of it is because we as a culture are um, sort of, we're more uncomfortable with, with the, with women being sexual than we are with men, you know, um, we, so Mrs. Robinson is a dirty old woman, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, what is she doing with that young man? What yeah. I find interesting is that you always, uh -oh. no, I think this is hysterical. I put stuff out there. I just like say whatever's on the top of my head. I don't think about anything, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> you have disclaimers. You have disclaimers. You're oh, like, well. no, I don't know. This might, I don't know what the plus and minus on this is. And it could just be that I'm doing this and, and that I'm extrapolating information wrongly because it's inverse proportional. And I'm like, I'm like, I hate them. I have no, you know what makes it science? Because I said so. That makes it. Science. Oh, okay. You know what? In a second, we're going to get your thoughts on um, some of the, 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 the February sweeps stories going on right now, but let's okay. see what other people are thinking since we have a couple callers on the line. What other people want to say? 
I know other people. I'm going to let other people talk tonight. I don't do that very often. Uh, I didn't realize you were at the point in our relationship where you wanted to start seeing other people. I do. I want to see other people. In fact, right now I want to see 204. 204, you're on the air. Richard, Dan, it's Al from Canada. How are you? Hello. Al from Canada, one of my very favorites. How are you? Very good, very good. I'll just uh, go through some things quickly, and then you can just get on to another caller since it's been a while since you've been on. Um, so let me um, ask you this uh, regarding uh, Days of Our Lives versus um, um, Y&R about their, I guess, their gay storylines. Why does it seem to me like Sonny, Will, and uh, Paul works as a storyline, but Mariah and... Um, um, what's her name? Um, I know she's uh, Tessa. Tessa doesn't t- doesn't work. I, I'll I answer that. Why doesn't work? Okay, you go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. And I'm not even going to issue a disclaimer on this one or say that you know the, my opinions are my own. For me, the difference is uh, on Days of Our Lives. Those are three characters that people care about. I don't know if they've always cared about them, but certainly will uh, having being part of a core family is, is a big deal. With Mariah, yes, you know, you can muddle the history and, and talk about uh, with Cassie because the, the twins. Nobody cares about Tessa. I mean, I'm sorry. The character could be interesting. I'm saying from a general standpoint, I don't really know who she is. She really lost me when we found out that she was, you know, uh, she turned her back when her younger sister was taken off and, and put into forced prostitution, and then she's stealing stuff. I don't think people like her. I don't think that anyone has an, um, uh, an emotional attachment there. And anyone who has emotional attachment to Mariah, it's because of, of Cameron Grimes, because we've watched her grow up and because it, it's fun to have her back. I think we, we care about her character far more than, than Tessa. And to sort of go down a road with, with Tessa, uh, someone that really doesn't have any ties to anyone else in the show and uh, sort of has that muddled history, I just think it's harder to get anybody really to, to – care about them it's sort of the same with general hospital you know all my children had a great success with bianca and her her many love interests whether it be uh maggie or lena or uh uh marianca marissa that's the name i gave them like people cared because again bianca was a character that people cared about um on on general hospital with while people care about christina I don't think that people really cared that much about Parker, and they brought in a whole bunch of extra stuff with abuse of of power possibly into play. And you also – we talked about earlier with the the whole thing about an older woman, heaven forbid. Um, So people had a a skewed uh, opinion there. Uh, I mean I think The Young and the Restless could, and I think it could be interesting. I just think at the the end of the day, nobody really cares about at least half of that couple. I could be wrong. uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of agree with you there. I think the difference is if you look at what Days of Our Lives is doing. I mean, all three of the characters in their storyline, Will, Sonny, and Paul, are related to core characters. You know, Paul is the is is John's son, and Sonny is a Kyriakis. Will we've known since he was born. We've we've watched Will's story. We were there when he came out. You know, we we saw his first kiss with with Mariah and Tessa. It started out strong. But they, 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 they really never found the group for it. And the other difference is, if you look at Days of Our Lives, Days of Our Lives is playing the story. I mean, this, this story is actually unfolding. 
with 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 the young and the restless, they haven't really played this. They played a few little minor beats in it, but it has never been given actual screen time, and we haven't had time to develop it. Then all of a sudden, when we do the reveal, we we rush Robert Adamson off the canvas. So, you know, that leaves us with Tessa, who I I have to agree. I love Kate Fairbanks. I think she's a really good actress. I love her singing. I think when she was, when they introduced the character of Tessa, Tessa was one of my favorite new characters. I thought they, but but they never really developed it, and they certainly haven't followed through storyline-wise. So I think that's the big difference, is that it's characters that we know and love and who are being played, as opposed to this, you know, Mariah, who I do think people like, but being involved with somebody who eh, nobody really, you know, nobody really cares, unfortunately. I was going to say something uh, regarding the um, the one heterosexual, and I've seen those characters, right? Uh, Paul, Will, and Sonny. If you made them all heterosexual, right, made Sonny like a female, it still works. Well, it does. I mean, you know, one of the things I've seen lately, and I'm Dan, I'm sure you've seen this too, is there was a lot of people saying that you know that uh, that uh, they should have they should have made Kevin gay after he and uh, mm-hmm. Mariah had bad sex. But that should have been like the, the kickoff to revealing <laughs> that, that. And I was like, you know what? If bad sex is all it takes to be gay, there'd be a lot more gay people in the world because <laughs> a lot of people have had bad sex. But more importantly, you know, I, I think that this became a thing. People wanted to see Kevin become gay after it was revealed to Greg Rickert, you know, after he came out and, you know, and, 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 I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of just all of a sudden we're going to reveal a character is gay. It worked with Mariah because they didn't say Mariah is gay. They said Mariah has these feelings and, you know, and she Mm -hmm. still doesn't know. Even the other day she referred to the fact that she might fall in love with a hot guy. She's, she's, she's not sure where her feelings are. It's not like she just woke up one day and was like, Oh, I want to make out with a girl. You know, I kissed a girl and I liked it. So, so, I, I think that I think there's a wide spectrum of sexuality to be played on daytime, and I think that it's a shame that daytime doesn't do that more. I mean, I mean, you know, having a bisexual on the canvas should give you a you know you can create the best kind of triangles out of that kind of stuff. But I feel like so much of daytime lives in fear of if we do anything, we're going to lose ratings, and we can't lose any more ratings. That that they they don't necessarily want to court the controversy. Okay. I'm uh, just going to go into something with Dave and then go to GHOR and just wrap it up. Um, so when Gabigail, when she meets real Gabby, who do you think that Gabigail will see Gabby as? Do you think she'll see her as Abby or do you think she'll see her as Gabby or do you think that she'll see her as her, oh, why have an evil twin running around? I don't know that I understand I the question. I see Richard. Okay. No, I know what he <laughs> I no, I can explain See, what he's asking, and I'll I'll do this in simple terms because uh, Canada sometimes is far more advanced than we are here in the states. Right. So he's saying, like a three-year-old. <laughs> he's right. saying when Abigail believes she has the altar and she thinks of herself as Gabby, but she's not really Gabby. So what happens when Abigail, as Gabby, sees the real Gabby? Will she think she's looking in a mirror? Will she not make the, the realization that she looks like them? Will she say, oh, it's my twin? I think, like I said, I think she'll look at her and, and see you, to be honest. 
Well, I mean, doesn't everybody look in the mirror and see me? <laughs> I can, I mean, please. Why um, I don't have mirrors in know, my house. <laughs> I, I, that explains why. I, I'm a big fan of this kind of story, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I remember on like on One Life to Live, which you know Ron has written these kind of stories before on One Life to Live with with Nikki and Vicky and Jess and Tess and Bess and Mess. Um. I think a lot of times when they looked in the mirror, they saw whichever personality was in command most of the time. What will be interesting to me is is two things. One, what is the root of Gabigail? You know, what brought Gabby out and how long has she been out? Was she responsible for some of the things that, like, you know, was she the one who tied Ben to a bed and set it on fire? Um, the other question is, is that the only personality? You know, might there be another personality in there? And if so, what form does that personality take? So, Flabby. Uh, I don't hmm? – She'll be Flabby. It'll be the one of her that likes to eat snacks, and that uh, personality will be called Flabby. Wow, so now Continue. you're fat-shaming. Okay, folks, so just so you know, he called you cult <laughs> members and – he is fat-shaming yes, people now. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I did. Send your hate yeah. mail to at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go into Jake and then wrap up with Weinar. How viable do you think Andre is going to be as a character on GH now that he's sort of back again? I saw, I see I watched GH on and off, and like he, they had a good triangle with him and um, Curtis and um, – Jordan, and now they seem they want to push him with Anna, but because he's all of the bad stuff he does, I don't know how he got out of it, but how do you feel? Like, is he, do you think he's there as a viable love interest and character just um, just from the uh, onset, or do you think it's just like a flashby, just like he's just visiting? Personally, I think it's just, you know, like they needed him to advance a story. I don't think that they're going to – I don't think he's going to be majorly involved. I think Anna's got plenty going on because, remember, there's not just Finn. There's not just uh, – you know, there, there's also – she's got that weird dance that she does with Valentine that's kind of weirdly hot. Um, she's got plenty on her plate. She doesn't necessarily need another love interest. And, and honestly, on the canvas, as crowded as this one is, um, I really like Andre Montgomery. I don't – I don't know that they necessarily need the character on the show right now. Would you agree with me, Dan? I was actually really sort of surprised that the character came back into the fold. It seemed like the perfect write-off of having this guy that we thought was the upstanding guy and then find out that he had a, a questionable side. And it would have been fine if at that point, if they decided to keep it continuing for a period of time, but when it sort of came out, you know, he had the whole police station uh, revelation that he knew who was what and the secrets and things like that, it seemed like the perfect write-off. And then you find out that he's back. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Um, the thing that's interesting that just sort of popped into my head while you were talking about all of Anna's love interests, the thing that makes that interesting is because of the fact of what we'd said earlier where we talked about in relationships where there's a, a, a female character that's older than her male counterpart, that people seem to have issues with that. And there for a while, I don't think it's any secret uh, to anyone who's a regular soap watcher or listen to either my show for the many years that I did it or yours, that under Brian Franz, when he was in charge at ABC, he really didn't see the appeal of any woman over pretty much over like the age of 35. That's when a lot mm -hmm. of our fan favorite women were written out. I think that it, it's kind of nice if you fast forward a year here where, you know, I, I know that it's not 
proper to talk about people's ages, but I think we can certainly agree that Fanola Hughes is over the age of 30. Um, I'm over the age of 30, so that will put it out there. It's nice to see that in this situation, you've got a, a woman who's uh, a mature woman who has a full dance card and, and quite frankly has you know a lot of men circling and, and wanting her because that, again, goes back to show that everyone is beautiful. It doesn't, you don't have to be a 20-something blue-eyed blonde to be viewed as attractive. We're seeing that on the cover of fashion magazines now where they're putting women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And it's nice to see where you talk about daytime court, afraid to co- uh, court controversy for fear of ratings. It's nice to see that they're celebrating women who, and in the case with Days of Our Lives, you know, men, but they're celebrating women who reflect the audience. I don't think that you know, women who are in their 40s who are watching soaps uh, don't, want some, don't want to see people like themselves who are falling in love. Who doesn't want to look on television and see someone who looks like themselves in, in, a, in a powerful or in a positive light? So I applaud the fact that if, if Anna wants to have, or if the writers <coughs> decide to give Anna five male suitors, I say go for it. Well, not only that, but I think it's also interesting, and this is kind of true around the daytime dial right now. Um, there have been periods in the past where soaps in their their sort of desperate scramble to uh, get the young viewer, to get that young demographic, hook them as early as possible, they've become very youth-centric. But you look around mm-hmm. the dial right now, and a lot of the best stories unfolding do not involve anybody under the age of, okay, we're going to, again, be generous and say 35. You know, I mean, you look at, you look at the young and the restless. Look at, look at um, um, General Hospital. What, what, what I love about this stuff with, with Anna and Julian and Alexis and Finn and, and, and you know, they're, they're playing older characters in, in big, major front burner story. I mean, the kids, you know, I love Josh and Oscar. I think they're ad- Josh and Oscar are adorable. But typically on soaps, you would expect to see them, you know, like in the old days with Star and Cold. You would in the expect summer. to see them front burner. Right. It, well, in the summer, but, but even just year-round. And even this summer, they really, last summer, they really didn't push the kids too much on the front burner. And I love it. Well, I and have the, to wonder. The, I, wait, let me I have finish. to wonder, though, if they're let realizing. Let me finish. It's my show. Sorry, oh, that's right. It is. Finish. Go because ahead. this is this is building to something. You're ruining oh. my big build. Sorry. Go ahead. And what I, the most recent, if you look at the most re- recent ratings, which cover the beginning of February sweeps, I think it's like January 25th to February 2nd or something. In like three of the demos that that they most court, like the 18 to 24 female demos, General Hospital has taken the lead in like three of the four demos with barely a young character on the canvas. Most of their characters are, you know, long-term vets, you know, the Sunny and Carly and Ava and, and Finn and, and Anna and all of these major, you know, characters who are over the age of 30 being played in big story. And yet they've captured the demo that everybody wants. That's where I was going. Now you may interrupt me. No, what I was going to say is I'm wondering if there's come a point where, uh, maybe at a network level, they've decided, they've looked at their ratings, and they've seen that their audiences are, in fact, out of, uh, more of their viewers are out of the coveted age demographic, and they've just decided, you know what, 
we've spent all of this time, we've spent all this energy, we've spent all of this money to try to get teenagers to watch our show. They're not watching our show. In fact, when you look at it, te- the, the coveted millennial demographics aren't watching live sports. They aren't watching the Olympics that just finished. There were significant ratings declines in, in certain demographic areas there. Maybe the soaps are being smart and saying, you know what? This is our audience. We know who our audience is. We're going to try to tell stories that are going to appeal to them. And if we get some of the younger, younger demographic, good. Maybe it was a happy surprise. Maybe that wasn't even anything that was uh, sort of an intent uh, when they were telling the stories. But, I mean, I, I think that if you're going to tell a bunch of stories about the so-called teen set and you're saying to your audience who's above 35 – Sorry, you're, this is what you're going to have to see. We're not going to really tell any stories with anybody your age except if it's a grandmother because that's what anybody over 35 probably is. Uh, uh, the way the stories are being told. That's the way the stories are being told. You never saw there for a while. It was so heavy on the younger sets, and the ratings were still going down. I think it's because they weren't going after the people who were actually watching. Speaking of um, which, I, I mean, as a, as, a, as a viewer, one of my – favorite relationships on television, all television, is the one Marlena has with her grandchildren, whether it's Marlena and yeah. Will. They have lovely scenes today with Marlena and, and Claire, and it's just, it's, it's so appealing. You know, it's, it's like she's not Grandma Horton. You know, she's not sitting at home making donuts. She's out there and having storyline and and living her life, but at the same time, she's also this amazing character who the younger characters can relate to, and I think the younger audience can look at her that way and be like, wow, I wish that was my grandma. I wish I had a cool grandma like that. I was going to say something quickly just to wrap up so someone else could get on. Um, just, I just want to wrap up on uh, YNR uh, versus Dave. I think that Dave is going to win at the Emmys because they are able to craft story for all generations and it's just a shame that Weinar, I think even you guys may not like this, but I almost think that Weinar should copy uh, Dace's um, um, storyline structure and and, uh, and start uh, investing in their younger uh, set and the um, older veterans and all of that too. And I think that um, I wanted to know what you guys think, uh, uh, how Weinar could uh, give story to um, Paul, Neil, uh, Lauren, and Michael on a major level as they have with Victor, Nikki, and Jack, and Ashley. And I'm just going to wrap up now, and I'm going to let you guys go, and I'll let you guys discuss it, and I will talk to you another time. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, Bye, Al. Canada. Um, you know, that's, that's a really, really – YNR is a show that I'm a little frustrated with right now, honestly. And, and in part, it's for the very reasons that he mentioned. You know, there are – there are beloved characters like Lord and Michael who are connected to half the canvas who, ha- who should have, they should be, you know, front and center. They should have good story. Um, I feel like YNR is in this weird place right now where their whole goal seems to be reuniting the classic couples, you know, um, mm-hmm. like Kane and Lily. I, I found Kane and Lily more interesting when they were apart than I do when they're together for the most part. But even if you're a fan of Kane and Lily, for me, rushing them together, you know, they they basically went to France 
had one episode where they really like kind of got into like their issues and stuff, but then came home united. And there's no real, there's no, I'm not invested in that because it doesn't feel real to me. After everything they've been through, after all the times that, you know, that, that Lily cheated on Kane and Kane cheated on Lily and they've had all these problems. I want to see this couple really take their time and say, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? Do we really belong together? Really invest, invest in them before they just get back together. You know, we, Nick and Chelsea, um, I never felt as if Nick and Chelsea, it just never took off. Um, maybe it's because they put the, tried to put them together too soon after Adam left. Um, maybe it's just some couples just don't work, you know, no matter how hard you try, just for whatever reason, they don't work. But I never really saw a lot of audience heat behind Nick and Chelsea. But that said, Chelsea's exit made no sense to me. I, all of a sudden she's creating mirror sites and stealing money from her own company and from Fenmore's. Why? She doesn't need money. She has money. She has lots of money. And now she's just sort of, ta- I, I don't know. I, did I miss something? Do you understand Chelsea's exit story? No, it's funny because that was my issue too. Uh, I had been at one of the, the days in between the money in the crypt and the, the actual disappearance. I missed an episode and I thought that must've been the day that they explained why she's doing what she's doing. So I went back and watched. That was the day they tied everything together. Damn it, the day I missed. (laughs) And they didn't. And then I'm sitting trying to think, well, maybe there's something that's coming. Maybe there's more to this. Maybe she's not really gone. And we're going to find out, you know, they'll have us think that Chelsea made her final appearance. And then in three weeks, uh, she'll be in a, I don't know, in a, in a dark room somewhere and a surprise will, will come. I keep thinking maybe that's when it'll make sense, but I don't get it. Uh, th- there's something that's missing that uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Like they, they never really explained why she was doing what she was doing. And I kept waiting and thinking, okay, it's going to make sense. Here it comes, here it comes. And then, you know, the next day, I, it's actually, a brand new I agree. To talk I, about. I agree. I actually thought that maybe they were going to like, you know, like tell us that she was stealing this money and running off to be with Adam, um, you know, and, and reunite her family. And because, you know, they need, that's why she was stealing the money and all this. But then it made no, and, and, and I was sort of believing that right up until she dropped Christian off at Victoria's. Yeah. Cause I was like, well, she's not going to leave Christian because she knows Christian is Adam's child. And so she wouldn't, she wouldn't leave him behind. So I was like, well, that blows that. That's not what's going on. And even if that is what's going on, I mean, I would think that if she was, if Adam was alive and she knew it and she was going to reunite with him, he'd probably be pretty annoyed that really right up until the minute she left town, she kept having sex with his brother, <laughs> you know, like that would probably piss him off. So yeah, I don't, I don't get this story. I I liked seeing Phyllis and Sharon work together. They were very fun, even though I don't really buy that that would happen, you know, given their history, given who they are. That didn't really – like, I feel like there's not an overarching story on YNR right now. Like, like there's, there's lots of things going on, but there's not an overall story. I, I feel like we – what was for me the best story on the canvas, the the story with Dina, suddenly we lost, you know, yeah. like, like, like they killed off Graham and Dina was shipped to Paris and suddenly this story lost all momentum, uh, which, which was sort of problematic. Here's another question I want to ask you. 
what do you think, comparing the two, you know, we have two shows doing Alzheimer's stories right now. We have Young and mm-hmm. Earth and General Hospital both doing Alzheimer's stories. Uh, General Hospital story is clearly in, in an earlier stage because Y&R got to go for a ways. But, but what do you think of the two approaches? And they do feel very, very different to me. I'm very much enjoying Dina Corinthos. Yes, folks, that was a little <laughs> shady comment. Uh, I, I was actually going to – I want to answer that, but I want to do a, a quick comparison since you brought up GH and YNR. I want to ask the situation on YNR when we learned that Jeannie Francis would no longer be with GH, all of a sudden, you know, surprise, Laura has to go off the canvas to take care of, of Spencer and his broken limbs. With Chelsea, it seems to be done in a different way. I'm assuming – um, that Melissa Claire Egan made her, if, if in fact, that she made her intentions known that she wanted to leave the show, and that would have given Y&R time to script an exit storyline, because it, it does look as though you know her exit storyline went on for a couple of weeks, rather than just her saying, I gotta go, and disappeared. But it, it do you find the Chelsea exit as jarring or sort of as incomplete as what you did with surprise Laura has to run off the canvas and take care of, of broken legged Spencer? No, definitely. Jeannie Francis's exit was was you know, that was very clearly we had no idea she was leaving. We were building all this story around her and then the next day she left, you know, because I mean, they had just married her off. They put her in this happy little marriage. They had they had her running for mayor. You know, she was well-positioned in storyline. And then all of a sudden she walked in and was like, oh, you know what? I can't run for mayor. Got to go. <laughs> I'm out of here. Catch him the next plane. So then it, it, if it that's the bye-bye. case, why wouldn't – if that's the case, and there's there's the two of us who are saying that we, we sort of are, are left wanting by what's currently being shown on the screen with her, with the exit of, of Chelsea – why do you, do you think that is then, that if they knew that the exit was coming, why do you think that we're so sort of unfulfilled by the way that this went? Or is that in itself genius by we're sitting around going, I don't know what's going on. There's got to be something more to this, that this will sort of always be in well, the back no, of our minds? I'm not, not going to – no. I, as much as I love to give credit – to my shows, I'm not going to call it genius because you know the audience clearly is unsatisfied. By it. Now, now one of the one of the listeners said in the chat room that there was a day when they explained that basically Chelsea was afraid the truth was going to come out, and that's why she was doing this, and that's why she stole the money and took off. But you know that that doesn't that doesn't really yeah sell for me because because. You know, she didn't take off when her truth was revealed on the Hillary Hour. Everybody knew about her past. If if she was that afraid that the truth was going to come out and she decided to leave town, you know, wouldn't she have just gone to Victor and made him give her money or something? I don't know. It just it just it, it just feels weirdly slapdash. Weird. Even though even though you're right, I think I believe they did have time to sort of craft an exit story but again i think that the story they crafted came up comes down to doing basically what we were talking about before over the last week or two it's become kind of obvious that they're starting to that they want to move sharon and nick back together so again we're 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 doing something that will in the end help sharon and nick you know another classic super couple get together um by you know pushing chelsea off the canvas 
I don't know. I, 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 I can't give them credit for it being brilliant because, because if the audience is sitting there watching and saying, I don't really understand what's going on. I don't understand Chelsea's motives here. Then, then that's problematic. And that says that, you know, we didn't connect the dots well enough, but you know, I don't so then know. what are the chances I, that what are the chances that this isn't really over that there's still more to come? I hope so, honestly. I hope so. I hope that there's something coming that, you know, that actually suddenly goes, "Oh, now it makes sense to me. Now I understand why she was, you know, but but I I struggle with it because there are things about this story that that Still wouldn't make sense, even if there's some great reason why she's doing this. Why was she stashing money in the bathroom? You know, why was she stashing know. money in the in the duct? I mean, why wouldn't she just, you know, open a bank account, open a, open a, you know, a safety deposit account, or even if she needed to have cash on hand, keep it at the office. We never see her at the office. Nick certainly never goes to the office. Like, why would you stuff it in the bent in the bathroom? I don't get that. Yeah, I don't either. But now to actually answer the question that you'd come up. I think that the I was at first really worried uh, with General Hospital because you know they had the recast of Mike, and I thought, okay, this is going to be a situation where they're going to bring in somebody new for the sake of telling a story, and it's going to be somebody that the fans don't know, and it's not going to be able to gain any traction because they're going to be looking at this guy and think, yeah, that's that's not the Mike that I know. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised that that didn't seem to matter. The, the chemistry between uh, Mike and Sonny is still there, regardless of, of who is in the role of Mike. Um, I got something on, and I think I actually sent it to you. Um, there are folks who were saying that they felt that maybe the Young and the Restless storyline with Dina was a little too, uh, a little bit too much, a little extra, in that it was sort of a caricature of what it is for Alzheimer's, you know, and, and sure, in the course of a, a period of time, we went from maybe there's something wrong with Dina to, wow, now she doesn't even know her kids. But I think in the situation with any illness, it can be like that. I mean, you can go from being up and running a marathon one day and the next day being, you know, stuck in bed because something has happened. So I don't know that I necessarily feel that that was an issue. Um, and for me, from having a, someone, having Marla Adams, who hadn't been on the show for so long, so it was before a time where I, I watched regularly, I was instantly sort of drawn to the character and to the actress because it was, uh, you know, who can't relate to a, a grandmotherly figure, um, who can't unfortunately relate to having, uh, you know, a serious illness in the family. So I didn't have an issue with that. Um, I think it's the difference here is, if anything, it's showing a surprisingly vulnerable side to Sonny, who's a character that many people don't like. Uh, many people have strong sort of reactions, either whether it be people who call the show the Sunny Hour or for people who don't like the glorification of mobsters. It's really a refreshing switch, I think. To see someone, to see this character that you know maybe you don't really feel anything for, and now you can sort of uh, have sympathy, you can empathize with this character because it doesn't really matter what your lot in life is when something like Alzheimer's hits home. 
I, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It, it's still heartbreaking. I totally agree on a lot of that. Um, first of all, I think one of the things that really worked about Marla Adams on Y&R was that they were able to show those great flashbacks. You know, they oh, were absolutely. able to give us the history of Ashley and, and, and her mother and how complicated it was. And it really played into their past issues. What's interesting to me, now the, the, the General Hospital storyline is still quite a bit earlier than, than the Y&R storyline. But right off the bat, what has struck me is Y&R's was a little more plot heavy. You know, we had Graham, we had this, this, this mysterious guy who had this agenda, we had Dina mm. running around stabbing people and burning down buildings, whereas Mike, <laughs> Mike has been this scared guy who doesn't know what's happening to him and who, you know, it, it, when he, when he has his, you know, disconnect, it's not him stabbing somebody or burning down a building. It's him, you know, being back at the restaurant that he used to work at and thinking he still works there. It feels just so relatable. And it, it really was so important that they get the chemistry right between Maurice Bernard and whoever was going to step in and play the character of Mike. Yeah. Because, you know, Ron Hale was, was very much loved, not only from General Hospital, but he had played Roger Coleridge on Ryan's Hope for years. So he had, like, you know, a real ABC daytime following. But more importantly, this whole story centers on the connection between Maurice and whoever the other actor was going to be. And Max Gale has just, just been phenomenal. I, I just he, – he and Maurice, I, I'm – I have been very vocal in the past that I don't really love the mob storylines. There was a time when I did, but I feel like they're kind of cyclical because, you know, you're not going to kill Sonny. So so having, you know, people take him hostage and hold guns and all that, it it gets boring for me after a while because it's a, it's a, it's sort of a, you know, wash, rinse, repeat story. Mm -hmm. This is, this, we get to see this guy who is this powerful man we see his vulnerability. We see his weakness. We see this, uh, and, and we're seeing what they're always telling us. You know, they always tell us that Sonny is this big family guy, and here we're seeing it. And, like, there have been scenes where, like today, when he was telling Carly what had happened, that, that his father's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it just, it was so poignant because you could see this is, this is giving Maurice Bernard the kind of work that he hasn't, in my opinion, had for quite a while because it's it's human based. It's not based on you know mob and stuff like that. And it's also kind of fun because we're we're seeing we're doing a story which is about Sonny and Carly, both going through different things, and you know sort of being protective of one another. He didn't necessarily want to tell Carly what's going. Carly is sort of keeping quiet about these phone calls that she's getting. By the way, is Carly a telemarketer's dream or what? She's like the only person on the planet who answers a phone call that comes from an unknown number. You know, who does that? You know, only Carly. So if you're a telemarketer, call Carly Corintos. She's definitely interested in whatever you're selling. (laughs) Um, You know, we're about to lose the live feed. Um, If you're listening Uh and want to continue listening, give us a call at 714-868-0749. If you're listening in the in the uh, archive, which most people do, you don't have to worry. We're going to wrap up here in a couple of minutes. I just wanted to get some of Dan's thoughts on the um, on, on February sweeps. But we are, if you're listening live, we are going to lose you in about 60 seconds, and I want to thank you for listening, and on both behalf, my own behalf and Dan's. 
but like I said, if you want to continue listening and you are listening live, call 714-868-0749, and you can hear the wrap-up of the show. If you're in the archives, don't worry about it. Just chillax. So, Dan, give me your thoughts on, you know, sort of a quick run-through of what you think uh, of the various uh, what's been presented for sweeps so far. It's magic that you can control time and tell people and know how they're listening and where they are that we're not going to disappear. That's amazing. But, Isn't it amazing? Uh, I am amazing. Really, I think we should acknowledge that a little more often than we really do. Oh, gosh, I'm sure you're going to make that like your ringtone. So now anytime somebody calls you, it's going to be me saying that you're amazing. <laughs> Ooh, if only I had that technology. You're so much more technologically advanced than I am. Not only can you provide scientific facts to back up everything you say, whereas I just wing it, but you're technologically advanced enough that when I say, wow, Dan, you're awesome, you can literally turn that into your ringtone. I can. I can. I'll be see if I can do it for you. Uh, I want to start by sort of an overarching comment about February sweeps. I feel like this is one of the first February sweeps where it wasn't very sweepy, with with some notable exceptions. I want to say that Days of Our Lives was absolutely in sweeps. I mean, we had murders, we had alternate personalities, we have, you know, the returns of characters, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Days is, was definitely in it to win it. They were sweepsy. I want to say that the bold and the beautiful, we'll do the alphabetical thing because that's how my mind works on Mondays. The The bold and the beautiful I feel like January was their sweeps. There were so many things going on with the revelation of of the the Steffi and Bill that January was way, way high. They started the year off on such a high note that February was like, eh, okay, we've got a, a Ridge and Brooke wedding that's swell and, you know, uh, Jack's slash Thorn is giving – you know, massages, sexy little rubs to to Katie, and that was a good moment where where Wyatt saw the through that freaking telescope. Somebody needs to take a hammer to that telescope because it's. I'm sorry, that is the no, best no. investment the prop department ever made. They have gotten so much <laughs> use out of that. Well, they need to put it away because it causes too much trouble for too many people. Um, sort of like the the pictures above the the fireplace. But if that I, I if feel that like, telescope didn't exist, the plot would never move. Don't you dare take away that, that, that. Don't you dare <laughs> take away my plot device. Well, okay, maybe that's why poor Thorne only has like three outfits to wear because they're, they have a high rental fee on that telescope. I don't know. Anyway, what I'm <laughs> someone getting said to. The, someone said in the chat room, I hate the telescope a lot less than I do the skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> well, the skyscraper has definitely had its 15 minutes of fame, and I was so worried that the, uh, that the shot from Sally was going to destroy it or shatter it. I was very pleased to know that it was resilient. But that being said, uh, I mean, this isn't any sort of, of spoiler or anything. We've, we've both said the same thing on, on social media, whether it be on the, the Soaps in Depth CBS or the Soap Central Twitter accounts, that it would very much seem with as many people saying to, to Bill, I wish you were dead or I'm going to get you and your little dog too, that it would seem that something is building that, I mean, it could just be another a great fake out, but it would seem that Bill might want to lay low for a couple of weeks because a lot of people don't like him. Uh, that being said, if that is the case, as a hypothetical, if something happens to Bill in the next couple of weeks, that would then mean that March has a really big story on the Bold and the Beautiful, which would then be a January-March 
both having big stories and sweeps sort of not being as high on the, the impact level where uh, February sweeps is actually more of a buildup to a March shebang. So that was sort of my point on the bold and the beautiful days. As I mentioned, I mean, days is sort of uh, the thing that I love most about the two of us is that we can certainly admit when we say things that are, are completely contrary to things that we've said before. And in this case, We've gone on record of saying, oh, OMG, if a soap does another alternate personality storyline, I'm going to throw my hands in the air and run out screaming. Or if they do uh, doppelgangers, I'm going to run out of the room and, and punch a potato. I don't know what people punch. But with days, they're doing all the things. Who hurt you? Who hurt you with a potato? <laughs> they're going to run out and punch a potato. Who I hurt was... you with a potato? I don't know. I had a, a very bad experience with the Fry Guys at uh, McDonald's as a child, I guess. I don't know. I'm just speaking off the top of my head. Don't write me. Um, but no, like I, I feel that they're doing everything that we say not to. And I don't want to use the excuse of, well, it's days, so it works, because I feel like that's demeaning to days. I feel like that takes everything that they've ever done in, in the history of, of life and sort of discounts it as well it's days and it's wacky it's just like past not only it's that, crazy days has done stuff like that in the past and i have not liked it it's it's really it's, the overall it's that the stories that they're telling like with the doppelgangers and you know no matter what the story is that i don't want that i think i don't want to see they're telling it with relationships and heart at the center of it you know like this like like the reason that gabigail works is because it's playing uh, this weird twisted little triangle between chad uh, Stefan and Gabigail. That 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 sort of works. The one thing that did not work on days in sweeps, the whole poisoning of 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 yeah. Steve. It made no sense. It really it, it felt like it felt like an attempt to give these characters something to do. It made no sense. It really went nowhere. I mean, I guess now you know Steve is having some some residual effects and stuff, but you know it's just. It, it all built up to you know five people holding guns on a woman in in the pl- in, in the middle of ta- Times Square, Times Square, ta- in the middle of Horton Square, and then her getting injected. <laughs> it just it just it went nowhere. It just luckily it didn't last all that long. It only lasted like three four weeks, uh, so it wasn't a big deal. But it was in the middle of a show that's doing so much right a real clunker. Well, I have a question. I mean, I have I'm sure pretty much everyone that's involved behind the scenes of soaps probably has a restraining order against me. I don't know why, because I'm nice and you're not, and you get to talk to them. Have you, have you had an opportunity to, you know, to talk to Ron for your, for the, any of the interviews with, with soaps in depth to find out, you know, how does he, did he approach the storyline with having an altar on Abigail? I mean, like there's a part of me that wonders if fans are going to, you know, oh, oh my God, are they going to go after Ron and say you're, you're one life to living days of our lives? Or doesn't it matter because it's a different show? I'm just wondering, has he said anything about it? Or, we I talked don't know, very briefly wondering. about it, and he admitted he was worried about it, you know, because I, I had reached out to him when I found out it was coming and told him how excited I was because I love these kind of stories. And he admitted, you know, <laughs> that, he was, that he was a little bit nervous about what fan reaction would be. But I think, you know, I think Ron is in a position where, he has to have supreme confidence in the stories he's telling because, as we talk about all the time, they are six months in advance. You know, it's not like 
let's say let's say the day they introduced Gabigail, the internet just went like, oh, for the love of God, Ron, why are you doing this? Well, there's nothing he can do. He's six months down the line, you know. He's writing way, you know. He's 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 already writing, you know, 2022. So. so he, <laughs> So you really have to have supreme confidence in what you're doing. And I think the reason that what he's doing is working is because every single story is, you know, even the clunker that I didn't like in February sweeps, even the, even the stuff with, with, you know, John Marlena's uh, Kayla and, and, and I, I'm sorry, I cannot call him Steve. I know everybody is supposed to call him Steve now, but he is patch. He will always be patch. But even, even that story was, you know, a family and it had a family at its center and, and romance at its center. So, so I think that's what gives you confidence is, you know, I think he's doing this great blend of outlandish and yet based on real emotions and real, you know, that's when I, when I interviewed him for a, a while back for, uh, to sort of like, you know, see, I was talking to him, I'm like, you know, it's been a year, you've been here for like basically a year now, how is it going? And he, he said that that's, that's sort of what he's finding is that, that the, the two styles really mesh well. It's sort of the over-the-top mixed with uh, the, the human, like, for example, one of the things he talked to me about quite a bit was when they were doing the story where they revealed that Will was alive he knew he needed to have Allison Sweeney for that story. And he knew he wanted Eileen Davidson for the story. And he sort of had to sell them a little bit on it because, you know, okay, you're going to bring back this character that has, you know, the buck teeth and Susan, you know, Susan, Susan Banks is mm-hmm. an over the top character. And, but, but that was what made it work was that even as over the top as all of this was with Susan Banks, you know, convincing Will that, Sammy was actually his what ex-wife or whatever it was um, instead of his mother. He has any- uh, it, the, the thing that really worked with that was that it was a mother's pain. It was two mothers in pain. It was Sammy finding out that her son was still alive and Susan, the desperate lengths she had gone to to replace EJ. And that's why it worked because if even, even this crazy over the top story at the end of the day was about the pain that these two mothers felt. So I think I think he is probably prepared for people to say, "Oh my God, here goes Ron doing that thing he does." But I think if you do it and you do it well, then you get to sit back and say, "Screw all of you." <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, and then I mean, with talking about that emotion, I know that there were other things that went on during the month of February. However, I got to tell you, I was far more moved by General Hospital's funeral episode for Nathan than I expected to be. You know, funerals are a dime a dozen on soaps, and maybe it was a confluence of of real life and other things going on, but I've got to tell it got me. Everything about it, even the the ending um, with the confrontation, which I knew was going to come between Lulu and Maxie, and, you know, they they had, I hate the song, Oh, Danny boy, because I just, I mean, I was called Danny when I was like three, and there are people who know me from when I was three. Now, 500 years later, think that it, you know, that's got to be what he's still called. No, it's a great way to get blocked uh, or ignored or punched with a potato, uh, ironically. But it, everything about that episode, like 
everybody was spot on. This isn't even really a character that was around for a long period of time where, you know, I was attached to the character. It wasn't a long-term veteran character or like the last time I was moved is when it when you had the a real life death of a of a performer and then you had to address it online, whether it was the death of uh Jeannie Cooper or Jeannie the death Cooper. of yeah. Of of Eileen Hurley or on on my children or you know when they had the actors and actresses play uh, Lila and Edward on General Hospital and you just saw the back of them they sort of went off into the into heaven and like those get to me so I I wasn't expecting it because I'm like okay you know Ryan Pavey has always been very nice when we've chatted on the red carpet or done interviews that's great you know good for him he's going somewhere else or doing something it just got me that like everyone had just the little bit of looks the uh, the position uh, there was a moment where they had uh, Michelle Stafford and Roger Howarth they had this little look at each yes. other between Nina oh. like even that got me because it showed that they paid attention to everything that's gone on in the last couple of years on the show and it just it just worked it was such a really brilliant episode that I mean, even I know that it was wonderful. The even that, even that wonderful moment that you know they found a way to work humor into it. When Franco went up to Liesel and said, "Of all the people who's ever arrested me, he was the most gentle." I mean, it was just, mm-hmm. it was a per, it was perfect. And I think the other reason that it really, because I did the same thing, I I watched that sitting in the middle of my office, and we have an open office, and I have my headphones on, so you know, so I don't disturb people, and I'm sitting there bawling like a baby <laughs> in the middle of the office. But the reason that it worked is it did one of the things that soaps never do anymore. We had a body. We had an actual death. There was an actual investment. We talk all the time about the fact that the fact that so many people come back from the dead on soaps, it it, it negates the power of death because, you know, we see a character die and we're like, oh, they didn't find a body, so we know that person will be back. The other thing that really worked, and, 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 and this is kind of a little funny story that goes along with this, was Lindsay Leatherman coming back to play Georgie. Yes. And that scene where Georgie walked walked Nathan off was just yep. heart-stoppingly sad. But okay, funny story, true story. Um so uh-huh. we in the in in the issue that came out the week of of um in the issue of our magazine that came out the week of Nathan's funeral, we had an interview with Lindsay Leatherman. And at the end of it, you know, whenever you do those kind of interviews, whenever you talk to somebody who used to be on the show, you're always like, oh, would you like to come back? You know, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, you know, I'm not really interested in acting anymore. And I did not know <laughs> that she was actually going to be on the same week. So here we have this interview where we're like, no, no, I'm not really interested in acting anymore. That comes out the exact same day that she's appearing on screen. I was like, well, that's great thank you for that and i never really I, like, I forgot to ask i forgot to ask the editor who did the interview whether they knew you know and like geez could you give me a head up heads up maybe we push it a week and make reference to that or whether it was just like you know that Lindsay Lindsay kept it under her hat and didn't 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 tip it i don't know which it was i keep i meant to ask and forgot but i remember i was sitting there as i watched it and i saw and i saw georgie appear on screen i was like well hell <laughs> So there's all the behind since, the scenes from the, the daily dysfunction at Soaps in Depth. That's <laughs> funny. I am now hacking into the Soaps in Depth ABC Twitter account, and I'm going to at Lindsay Leatherman. Liar, liar, pants Liar, on liar. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> now, to go to that is, 
this is one of those things that I think, uh, and again, this isn't to diminish anything else that's gone on in the month of February on, on GH, but that's it. I mean, the rest of the stuff that they could have done on in the rest of the month could have been terrible. And because they had such a high, such an episode that I feel like will be in their Emmy reel next year when we're talking about Emmys, which is funny because we don't even have the nominations for this year, and I'm already you know, talking about the ones for, for next year. But well, I did the I same thing like with Scott was, Clifton. Scott Clifton had that amazing material on Bold and Beautiful yeah. in January. You know, where it was like, yep. oh, well, there's your 2019 nomination. <laughs> it's weird, but it, just the way that it's all set up. It's also funny to think that, you know, in two months from today, we're going to be having, I think, the Creative Arts Emmys. No, 29, 28, no, it, by tomorrow. Either way, fast forward. Uh, it, it's just that that is, has left such an indelible mark in my memory that I feel like GH had a really strong month where you could look at the totality of the month and maybe it doesn't hold up that way for everybody. But that's just, that will always be uh, one of GH's moments. And even too, where you talked about Georgie and Nathan walking off together, that's derivative of everything that they did before. I had just mentioned yep. you know, with Edward and Lila walking up the, the stairway to heaven after the episode. Yep. Um, it, it's the same thing. And that worked, whereas other soaps have tried to copy, you know, the listening of, of BJ's heart type of thing where, you know, they've done the heart transplants on other soaps and none of them will ever, ever hold to the BJ storyline on General Hospital. It's just, you know, people have tried. It's failed uh, for whatever reason. It just really works on GH and that just that just hit it. Um, so now that we've you know praised them there, I, I guess uh, last and, and not least with the young and the restless. I'm still having an issue, not just – I don't know if it's – I'm so set in my ways from having watched soaps for the last three million years or so that maybe it's just minutes. But I, I, I just – I haven't gotten used to this every day is a new day except on the days where we have the same day before we run the credits format. There's just little bits and pieces of it that I feel – it just – it needs to continue. Like you've got the cliffhanger, and it's fine, and I want to tune in tomorrow because I want to see where we're going with this, and it doesn't always do that. And sometimes I feel that it works because it lets you wonder what has happened in that bit of period of time, and then they create the fake flashbacks that sort of show you what happened in that alleged time that they didn't really show on the show. That's fine. But there's other things where I feel like there's just an opportunity missed. Like for the when Devon found Hillary's little flash drive and the stuff. I agree with you what you said at the top of the show that that didn't need to play out then and there. That could have waited until, and you know now the folks will say, well, no, because that would have killed Devon and, and Hillary if they got together and he found it then. But I mean, it kills them before too um, by having him find it. I just think that it would have been more powerful storyline. Then And maybe in that situation, too, if you love someone, you can overlook something that they've done. Maybe, you know, Hillary made amends and, and Devon says, you know what, are you done with this? Well, are you, you going to do this again? She says no, and then you're fine with it. I, I just – that being said, I just feel like that, there's, that there's been some fluidity. Episode, but that same episode that they were – at the end of that episode, they not only had Devon, you know, listening to the flash drive, it also had – the very yeah. next scene was Chelsea saying to Phyllis, 
you know, revealing the big secret about Christian's paternity to Phyllis. And then, and that was a Friday ending with these two huge endings. And I was really looking forward to seeing the payoff the next day. And you tune in Monday, and we had like a minute and a half of payoff at the beginning, and then we went on. And that was just – that was one of those situations where, no, no, we need to stay on this day. We need to stay on these beats. We need to see the fallout from this. Because if you don't play the fallout – I mean, that's, that's one thing. Charlie and I, when we talk soaps, that's one thing I always say, no soap does better than Bold and Beautiful – Bold and the Beautiful knows how to play Fallout. Even if you don't like the story, when they get to the fallout from it, when they get to paying the payoff, you know, when they get to, you know, Liam finding out that Steffi and, and, and his dad slept together, or when they get to Katie and Wyatt telling Bill that they're involved, they know how to play that. They know you stretch that out and you play every single second of that emotion because the audience has been going on that ride with them. And when Y&R did this, you know, and they got to the end and they dropped these two huge bombshells at the end of a Friday and we tuned back in on Monday and we didn't get to really see the fallout from it. I was sort of, I was flabbergasted, honestly. I'm going to give a real life example of sort of what uh, my mother, while we were sitting here chatting uh, sent me a text message telling me that a family friend has died. And then 30 seconds later, what are you having for dinner? <laughs> like, that is so something my family would do. That is so something that my... my, my, my like my, like, like the cliffhanger on the, the Young and the know anything. Oh, hi, you know, I'll get emails that, I'll get emails that say things like, you know, oh, everything's good here. You know, I just took the dog for a walk, and your sister and and your niece are, you know, going to Florida tomorrow. And mom had brain surgery three weeks ago. What? <laughs> you know, they just like drop things into there like that. So I completely understand that. So there's but there's yeah, no like, payoff. We've got the no cliffhanger, payoff. and then we have what's for dinner. Uh, and yeah. in case anybody is is actually wondering. I haven't had dinner yet. I will have it after this show ends. Um, and that's why we're going to so wrap this that. up any minute now because I have dinner in the <laughs> oven right now. I have chicken wings oh, cooking, shoot, and I they forgot. smell so good. They smell so good. And I'm like, yeah, Dan, keep talking. Go ahead because I'm going to hang up on you any second now. <laughs> I'll just carry on. I'm like, when where Richard went? Call in. I'll take Okay, your so let's, let's wrap up with this. Sure. What story – as we head into the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we, we, we kind of have a little bit more information than the, than the average dog. So without giving anything really away, show or story or story on a show, are you really looking forward to in the next few weeks? Let's end on a positive note. Let's like look at some things that we're really psyched for. Without giving anything away, uh, I'm looking forward to the party where all of the characters on The Bold and the Beautiful go to Bill's office and then the building is imploded by accident, and everyone dies. Oh, did I get too much away? Wow, you have much better you have much better spoilers than I do. You must have got those from <laughs> Visitor. Oh, oops. No, <gasps> no, um, I did not. <laughs> uh, just kidding. No, I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'll, I'll do the the blips. Uh, I, I kind of want to know if where they're going with the bill thing. It, it to me, you know, we've got. Everybody's upset with Bill. It certainly seems like something's going to happen, whether he's, uh, whether someone kills him, whether someone tries to kill him, whether he tries to kill someone else to stop someone from doing something, whatever the case is, something's going on in March. I kind of want to see what's going on there. Um, and then I guess to the rest of it, I can't really think of anything that stands 
out. I mean, I guess I'd really like to see where the progression goes with the storyline with Mike on General Hospital to see, you know, how long term are they going to do this? If people felt that, you know, the Dina storyline wrapped up too much on the young arrests and then boo-hoo, she's in Paris and now she's wonderful. I want to see how long are they willing to tell this story on General Hospital? Will Mike's uh, will it progress too quickly? And then, you know, he's sent off the canvas to a care facility and then, you know, we're done. Or are they willing to do something where this is long term, where, you know, maybe Sonny decides to really finally leave the mob because he wants to take care of his uh, of Mike? Uh, I oh, you're be dreaming like a Texas look- girl now. You are dreaming like a Texas well, girl. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, well, I know. I'm you're just, just speculating. Wild um, speculation. Wild speculation. Uh, on The Young and the Restless, I mean, I, there, there's a whole lot going on with, the, with, with Chelsea leaving. I, I don't know that there's, it's going anywhere from there. Uh, I enjoy Hillary's sort of uh, tiptoeing around the pregnancy where you know, she really wants to have a baby, but then she started to get hit with, uh, with panic with some of these uh, outlandish possible scenarios. That's interesting because it again, it's another situation where you get to see another side of a character where someone is is we'll call it a health issue. I mean, essentially, she wants to get pregnant, but has had issues um, or doesn't have a man at the moment. And, you know, sometimes life doesn't play out the way that you would want. You have a show, you have fame, you have power. No, we're not talking about Richard and myself. Um, but things don't always I think, go your I way. I think even so. our ratings are probably better than the Hillary Hour. Who is watching that? Show? <laughs> Although who is watching neither, the Hillary Hour? Come on. <laughs> neither one of these shows, in fairness, have a regular time slot. They do sort of pop up whenever they want to. So, which is uh, right just, exactly. Just I, I saying. And I then on Days of Our Lives, a lot of it. Yeah, I agree. Days of Our Lives. There's there's just a lot of things going on that I'm really excited about. Y&R, I agree with Hillary. I'm, I'm really, I, I want to see this character get a little redemption. You know, I mean, I love, you know what I love about Hillary right now? Her friendship with Phyllis. I get why these two women are friends. They've both been, you know, they've both been pariahs. They've both done some bad things. They both, you know, they, they, they don't judge each other. I love, love, love that friendship. I think it's so cool. I like that, that, is in her corner and is like, you know what? You want Devon? Go after him. Chase him. I, despite what many people think, I have no objection to Devon and Hillary getting back together. I love the idea. I love them. I think Michelle Morgan and 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 Brighton have so much chemistry. But just like I said with Kane and Lily, just like I said with. Uh, almost any other couple, I don't want it to be easy. I want them to earn it because there's no soap drama if you just put a couple together. There's nothing dramatic about that. That bores, bores me to tears. I have no interest in that. But if you can, and, that's, and that is, again, why I thought that it would be more interesting to hold this secret until after uh, Hillary and Devon have started making their way back together, and then you naturally, you have another naturally occurring roadblock. You know, because that's the thing is, with soap couples, you always have to have a naturally occurring roadblock, um, an NOR, naturally occurring roadblock, um, because otherwise you have to come up with things that don't feel natural. So if you have a, 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 a naturally occurring roadblock, why play it prematurely? Wait until you can you, you know, get the most use out of it. Let the couple have some happiness and then play it. 
Um, Bold and Beautiful, I am so into the Katie and Wyatt story. I love them. Yeah. I hope they have some lasting power. I'm worried for them because this is the Bold and the Beautiful, and let's face it, a couple of this show tend to, they get about, they, they, they burn brightly, and then they are extinguished to the back burner. So I hope that they can uh, keep on the front burner. I'm really into the Bill stuff as well. And what did that leave? What did I know? General Hospital. Looking forward to Franco and Liz's wedding and finding out about this act of God and how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm also, I'm really into the Sam, Jason, Drew story because um, I know people feel like they haven't played it this way, but I feel Sam's, I feel that, that Sam is torn. I get that. Sam has made this choice. She's standing by it, but that she, and I really do believe that I really get that she still has feelings for Jason and that those feelings didn't get away, go away from her. And, you know, a lot of people look at it and see, Oh, she's standing by Drew. She's, she's made her decision. She's completely ignoring Jason. She's ignoring his feelings. And, you know, but I don't see it that way. I see it as she genuinely loves these two people and she's making what she thinks is the best decision right now. Does that mean that she has lost those feelings? No. I think anytime you see her looking at him, you see, anytime they're in the room together, you see it. So I'm really looking forward to, um, more ex- exploration of of those three because it's a it's a really potent story with you know a woman who has feelings for two men and legitimate feelings for both of them and that's the best kind of triangle. Um, Dan, let's let's do ourselves and everybody else a favor. Let's kill this. Go. <laughs> now is the time of the, now is the time of the show where as we're both thinking in our heads, oh my god, I'm so hungry, I can't wait to eat. You. Find a way to, to, to push through long enough to explain to the audience who you are and why you're here. I, if I knew who I was and why I'm here, I probably wouldn't be here. I don't know. Uh, Do you know I where am, you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Do you know the way to San Jose? Uh, well, I was there once, but I got drunk and don't remember how I got home. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I ended up on a raft to Cuba or something, I'm sure. Right, well, exactly. for those of you who tuned in midway and didn't hear the introduction 90 minutes ago at the top of the show, I'm Dan Kroll. I am the founder and face, I suppose, of Soap Central. You can find the website at SoapCentral.com. You can find the Twitter machine. It's at SoapCentral. There's an Instagram page. It's the Soap Central where I post all sorts of weird things like categories on Jeopardy that have to do with soap characters that people have no idea. People didn't know who Susan Lucci was. I don't get it. <gasps> For me, I know. They're like, huh? Uh, anywhere on social media, I'm at Dan J. Kroll, K-R-O-L-L. It's uh, the Twitter machine, Instagram. I have a Snapchat. I don't use it. I only use it to make funny uh, videos when my grandmother and I are at her doctor's appointments. And... Uh, other than that, I'm here at Kroll Manor chasing around my bunny uh, and eating snacks, which, I mean, is probably the best part of my day. I know it's certainly the best part of my day. And and by the way, those <laughs> videos that he makes that are so funny, he thinks they're funny. Um, Dan, as always, thank you so much. I always enjoy when you're here, and I kind of get the impression that the audience enjoys it as well. We have sort of a... Lucy and Ricky thing going here. Tune in um, tomorrow. Oh, I was too soon, tomorrow. wasn't I? That's, that oh. was too soon. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, and 
Yeah, the fact that you've been here for 90 minutes and don't know is, is a little weird, but I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps and Depth magazine. You can find me, of course, at Soaps and Depth ABC or at Soaps and Depth CBS. You can also find me at How Rude Are You? That's my personal account. And I talk primetime stuff, which I'm about to do while I eat, at All TV, All Shade. Um, basically, throw something at the Internet. You know, people say, throw a dead cat at the Internet and you'll find me. I don't like that saying. That's gross. Throw, throw, throw the potato that Dan punched earlier at the Internet and you'll be able to find me. And, of course, I live-tweet the shows every day whenever possible on both Soaps and Death ABC and Soaps and Death CBS. If I'm not there, I might be on a cruise. I hope you guys have an awesome night. I want to thank you so much for joining me and as always remember because it soaps what do you have to do dan say it with me tune in tomorrow